Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Greg, I just wanted to remind you before we start that the white zone is for loading and unloading of passengers only. <laughs> Matt, I almost forgot what you sounded like and looked like. Dude, right? It's been a while. I think, uh, you know, if we're able to, if the electronic uh, electron gods like smile on us and this thing works out good, I think we'll have this up in the next few days. And this will be the first time in probably at least a month. So thanks to everybody for for waiting. Sorry, we had... Uh, between work stuff and me just being out of pocket for about two weeks, got a big gap there. It's good to see you. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, uh, it gives us a fresh perspective. Got a lot of fun stuff to catch up on. I'm, I'm actually quite excited to hear about your trip. Um, and uh, and then we've got some other stuff to that we sort of have on tap. So it, it'd be fun. It'd be good to get back in the saddle again. Yeah, totally. Well, it wouldn't be a watch podcast if we didn't talk about the weather before we talk about the watches and the poor check and all that good stuff. Uh, dude, is this like the most unbelievably awesome Indian summer ever? It's, uh, we're right in that pretty sweet spot, right? Where it's like, I don't know what, somewhere between like 77 and 82 every day. Yeah. When it's good like this, this is my favorite time of year. Like that shoulder season, you know, where it's still, it's still light out reasonably late. You know, I mean, it's not dark when I get home, um, but it's not crazy hot, but you can wear shorts anytime you want. And yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, you get to break out, you know, more of the wardrobe, I guess, and uh, it's it's definitely a, a pretty sweet spot. You got playoff baseball, football's on. I mean, just everything's sort of coming together. Yeah, it's all the all the good things, man. And we're getting to the end of the Formula One season. That's getting, I mean, it's it's a wrap in terms of who's winning, but uh, you know, some of the races are still pretty good and it's really cool to see, you know, teams that I like kind of turning it back on and and coming back to form. McLaren's looking better than they've looked in, you know, probably 10 years. Um, a, a longtime diehard McLaren fan and, and Mercedes as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's gosh, it's got to be like, you know, in terms of, you know, North American sports, you know, motor sports, it's just like, it's one of the, I saw something the other day where there's like so like between now and the next like 50 or 60 days, there's just like amazing sports on basically every day of the week. So it's a kind of a, a fun spot in the schedule for for all that, you know, all the content. Yeah, dude, it's it's pretty fantastic weekend, uh, you know, sports binging and, and racing and stuff like that is amazing. In fact, I want to say, you know what? I feel like an idiot for not knowing a hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I feel pretty confident that this weekend is also Petit Le Mans. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's, uh, one of the, um, you know, kind of the, the blue chip, uh, North American endurance races in the, the IMSA series. And there's just a lot of really cool stuff going on with that, you know, some, some hyper cars and, and 
sports cars and GT and stuff like that. That's also cool at a, at an unbelievably good track in Atlanta, the Atlanta area. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll have to, we should do like a, we always, we've done the last two years now, I guess like a, like a formula one pre, you know, preview, we should do like a end of year recap. You know what? Um, I'm going to put it out there like for the, uh, the watch podcast, karma gods or whatever, but we did talk, I think offline about maybe getting, trying to get James Stacy back to do a, a debrief. That would be, that would be pretty epic. We'll try to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. So put it, uh, we have to line up a, a few more episodes. I feel like, as we're getting back into the swing of things. So might as well start lining up, uh, the good ones. Yeah. 100%. Well, hey, dude, let's uh, let's do the the must do checklist item. What is on the wrist? What is in your glass? All right. Um, on the wrist, I think this will maybe play into some things we talk about later, but I haven't had this on too much recently. This is the Oris Big Crown Pointer Date 80th anniversary. This is the bronze case green dial variant, and I have it on the Oris bronze bracelet, which I got. Uh, I guess what was it last year around Christmas time? Um, yeah, I had pur- yeah I had purchased the watch uh, before it came on bracelet, and when they released it on bracelet, was pretty pretty excited about it. And I think Spence, few other folks grabbed it, and uh, it sort of I, I I wasn't sure how introducing you know a new bronze bracelet to an already you know at that point I think I already had it for two years maybe. Uh, two years old patented bronze case would sort of work or not work and uh, pretty quickly saw that it was a, a great look. And so this sort of makes it a full set, I guess now. Um, yeah, I love it. Always a fun look. Yeah, dude, that thing looks awesome. People can't see this, but Greg's holding it up in the camera and it's got like this kind of this beautiful caramel brown all over. It's pretty, it's What's pretty the- closely, pretty closely uniform now. I would not say. Yeah exactly on but i mean from a distance and certainly if you weren't a, a watch geek it's probably pretty spot on at this point yeah i mean to the, in the camera it looks exactly the same yeah yeah so we'll yeah, see you know i mean cool we're watch. talking fall fall season here i like to this one looks awesome on on leather i've got um a two-stitch horween uh shell cordovan from uh from our friends at hovigs um and uh and Chase helped me pick it out. It's this green and brown kind of marbleized leather. It looks really awesome. But anyway, I on this I watch, I have one of those also from yeah, Hovig's. You do. That's right. You do. It's a great look on any watch, but on this one in particular, it literally hits like every shade of, of the dial and the case. So yeah, that's a super cool strap. 10 of 10 would recommend, I think is what the kids say. That's right. That's right. Uh, in the glass, I think last time, last time we talked, which like we said, was a while ago, I touched base on, it was a Magay May Latte bottle. This is the other um, bottle from that two bottle set. They come in every other month. And this is an Amarillo Ichtero from Jalisco. Um, this is awesome. This is so there's 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 mezcals and, and agave distillates that come out of Jalisco. Everybody just kind of immediately tends to think of tequila, right? For a good reason. Um, but uh, but there's plenty of of non tequila agave spirits that come out of Jalisco, and they're some of my favorite. Um, and they've just got this. They tend to have this really sort of 
I don't, I hate to be too dramatic and sort of turn people off if you're not like super steeped in it, but sort of a little bit of a sour note and they're kind of sometimes a little bit funky. Um, they just got a ton of character. And this one certainly hits the mark. Um, 45.8% and uh, pretty, 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 pretty tremendous stuff. Eight to, eight to 10 year old wild agaves. Um, and uh, distilled in Filipino copper pot. So it's a winner as all oh, of these interesting. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the cool part about these. You know, I mean, we've we've talked about them before. I mean, you're getting things that are just, you know, double, double distilled in copper. You're getting Filipinos, Alembic stills. I mean, literally, they're trying to, you know, highlight all the different, you know, uh, ways to, to, to make these spirits. So, Dude, that's very cool, man. He's sniffing. He's taking a sip. He's, so I'm sorry, we, we don't say sniffing. We say he's nosing the glass. Nosing the glass. No, that's a great one. Um, there's a brand that I really like too called um, Chacalo. And everything they make, they're out of Jalisco too. And everything they make are different variations of this, of this, you know, these, these agaves, um, different sort of uh, offshoots of them. And, uh, but I particularly like these uh, Amarillo and these Ixteros. Um So. Highly recommended. Awesome, dude. Yeah, man. Tell me what's on the wrist. What's in well, your I'm glass? Sort of, I'm cheating. I'm double wristing. It seems like I've done that a lot lately, but we have um, the thing that we're going to talk about, and I will take it off a little bit just because and I'll, we'll kind of go over this as as part of the the impressions, but I have the, um, the Lent in for us. Thank you, uh, VJ and Josh. The Oris Artelier S... This is the green dial. It's sometimes I think it's referred to as the uh, like the Waldenburg Forest dial. Um, I'm sorry, but I can't say that without thinking of Blades of Glory. Did you ever see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. It's Katie, <laughs> Kate, Katie Van Waldenburg. I'm getting my jugs waxed. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's sorry. Delete, delete, delete. But yeah, this thing has got this amazing, um, you know, green. It's not it's not a gradient dial, but it is very, very similar to the style, like the sunburst, but a very fine sunburst graining. Um, very similar to what I see on uh, on my Blanc Pond, the Bathyscaphe. I've got the uh, you know, the kind of the gray brown dial. Well, this obviously is a green tone, but it's the similar effect. Just a really, really neat watch. This is uh, released fairly recently, and it comes to us on that uh, that really nice, like vegetable tan leather strap with uh, Oris's deployant, which is cool. A little little bit of a challenge for my wrist. We'll talk about the watch in a second, just because the deployant. I've got like the weird thing where I got the skinny wrist, but like a a big like a monkey fist. So I have a a hard time literally getting my hand through the. Uh, like the aperture created by, you know, the, the deployment when you open it, I would probably, if this was my watch, I would take it off the deployment and just put it on a pin buckle, but all good. Um, so that's on one wrist. And then on the other, it's the, uh, not really new at this point, but the new watch alert, I was able to get, um, the first of the, uh, you know, the Tudor FXD Navy, the FXD black, Thanks to uh, Feldmar, Feldmar, fantastic local AD here in the Southwest. Any anywhere, really, seriously, call Feldmar, call Jimmy or Jamie or Ben. 
they will hook you up. But uh, great, great people. And they knew I was interested in this watch before it was released. And when when they got one, well, hell, I was with you. I got a phone call from from them and I was like, <laughs> the Roadrunner cartoon, me, me, zip, bang, I'm out. Yeah, we're going to come back to that, as I think, as we do a little more talking about that watch, too. But huge yeah. congrats, man. Huge congrats. That thing is awesome. Yeah, this this really hits. And, um, you know, I, I think I indicated at one point when I, I put some kind of comment up about it. And it was, you know, I, I had to admit that I was wrong. Not so much in, in our take. When Remember when the, the blue FXD, the MN came out? It was about two years ago. And we talked about it and it was all pretty positive, but I passed on it just because I thought it was going to be too, too niche, you know, and it's like the, probably one of the best features about the, the Pelagos in, in my opinion is the, uh, the bracelet and the the clasp it's trick. It's super slick. And by getting rid of it, it was like, oh man, you know, that seems like that's, that kills it. But the more I saw these things and the more I got to handle them and try them and, and stuff like that, I was like, oh, I think I made a mistake. So this is rectified and I've got this, um, I've actually taken off the OEM Velcro strap, which is excellent, but I just want to keep that in good shape. This is on, uh, the watches of espionage five eyes strap and it is right up, you know, my street. This is the, the Sage NATO colored kind of NATO hardware on it is excellent. Um, pin buckle is a little big, but you know, it's very well executed and it's got that kind of that uh, burgundy blood stripe down the down the middle of it that sort of matches the text. Bitch and strap, it does feel very much like it was made for this watch. It's almost like he knew about the watch before it came out, which I'm I'm sure he did. So anyway, yeah, fantastic combo and really really cool. Very happy with this watch. And that's what's on the wrist. What's on in the glass is way 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 more pedestrian, but I love it. It is none other than. I'm not eating, but this is the banquet beer. Coors right, baby. The, in the stubby bottle, not the Coors Light, nothing fancy. Uh, and yeah, it just, uh, it goes good. It feels like this is the beer you drink with like a, a working man Tudor watch. Hell yeah. Uh, we were talking about this just uh, off air as we were getting started. I mean, you know, if you wanted to grab something sort of, you know, inexpensive or or just, you know, not crafty or, or whatever you, you'd be, that would be my go-to rather than picking up like a, you know, a case of any of the BMC lights or, you know, anything like that. It's, it's, it's reasonably priced. It's, you know, pretty tasty for what it is and it's got great vibes. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, this is the kind of thing you could, you could have this, I don't know if it would be a desert Island beer, but I mean, it is very much an everyday beer the way 805 is, or, you know, Modelo, I think, um, I think you're more of a Pacifico guy, but you know, same, same. Yeah, you're right. Actually, uh, on both accounts. Um, funny story. Uh, so we threw actually, let's just sort of, this will transition us into like some ketchup stuff. Right. But, sure. um, we, uh, Threw a surprise birthday party for my mother-in-law uh, a week or two ago, and I was doing the big beer run, and so I figured I would be able to get most of it at Costco and then pick up some other stuff sort of where I needed to. And if you didn't need further proof, which we already knew, right, that Modelo was the you know the biggest selling beer in, in the country now, that was the only beer missing in all of Costco. All the other beers that they had in stock, the 805. Now, again, granted, they don't have a lot of beer in stock, but 
I imagine when they stock a beer, they have a lot of it. And there was no Modelo's. So I had to go somewhere else for Modelo's. Um, was it a, was the weekend of a fight? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't really catch, I don't really follow the fight schedule too well. I mean, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary in terms of like a major, major event. I just think it was a weekend, you know, it was, there was, you know, Michelob ultras and there was Coors lights and there was eight Oh fives. And there was, there was everything except Modelo was literally empty. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good beer. It's, I guess uh, I'm not surprised given what we know now, but it's still surprising to me. I don't know. I guess I would have figured, I don't know. But yes, I'm a more of a Pacifico guy. That's my that's my go-to if I had to make a Desert Island selection. That's a vibe beer too, though. When I was a kid, um, I, you know, that probably actually was my last real trip to Mexico was when I was in high school. Uh, and we did the, you know, the Mazatlan thing for like a week and, oh yeah, that's like Pacifico central. Oh yeah. I think I was like 16 years old at Senor Frogs. Like just, I, you know, not, not a, a whole lot of qualms about serving minors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not, not that that happened, but I would say, yeah, the little, uh, the Pacifico and the, uh, the Coronitas. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. The little bottles. It's kind of like, well, and you know, it's funny, actually, I was about to say that this is kind of in the same class as something like a rolling rock, but, and please forgive me. Cause I know you're a Pennsylvania guy, but this, no. I think this is so much better than rolling rock. Oh my God. I mean, it's not, it's not even, cl- not even close, not even close that, that banquet beard, it destroys rolling rock seven days out of seven. Yeah. Sorry, I hope no, we didn't make you, any. Now, enemies. if you brought up Yingling, I would have to, I would have to probably oh. push back. But we're not talking about the same kind of beer at that point. No, and I, you know, I wish we could get that out here. I've only ever had that like a couple of times in my life, and the last times probably years and years back. But I, I first found that on a trip with my wife to, um, because I'm a nerd, I dragged her to Colonial Williamsburg. <laughs> oh yeah, I skipped the last family trip to Colonial Williamsburg, but you dragged your wife there. That's great. <laughs> she was stoked. Well, you know, I didn't really know what I was getting into, um, but it was well. No, it was recommended by a family friend because it was like a fall trip, and it was like, hey, if you don't want to do the big thing and fight the crowds like up in the Northeast for kind of you know the the foliage and stuff like that, if you want to get back out do like, you know, the mid Atlantic flying to like DC or something like that. And, and, you know, see part of like coastal Virginia, there's some cool historic stuff and, and nice yeah. places. And I found this awesome B and B there really, really beautiful place. Um, very like a uh, gorgeous, like clabbered kind of, what would you say? Uh, you know, colonial mansion kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, it was, I, I had a great time. I think she hated it, but I did find yingling there and it was, it was a real revelation. So it was great. Uh, it's awesome. I think Buzzy, I think he can get it sometimes depending on where he's at. Um, I've seen it as far down as Florida, but, and I don't know how, I don't know how far West it goes, but I've. You know what? Now that you say that, I think I have had it in Florida, maybe on my, maybe not my last trip, but maybe the trip before when I, you know, I, we do trips periodically, you know, for work and it's Florida or Las Vegas or, you know, New Jersey or what have you. Yeah. It, it I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent. I've had Yingling in Florida. Wow. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but more interesting locales than Florida. Since we last spoke, you've been somewhere, you've been a few places. 
Oh yeah, dude. I took my first real like significant big vacation in, in many years, uh, and packed up the family and essentially I kind of, you know, for our 25th anniversary as sort of the, the gift to the wife, to us, what, however you want to put it. But, you know, I just, I plumped and we, we brought the kids along. I say the kids, I mean, my kids are, you know, they're both nearly 20 and we, um, yeah, we went to Hawaii and did Kauai for like eight or 10 days. I'll have to go back and count. Uh, but just basically chilling, you know, doing, doing bikes and the rum tour and Canyon hikes and going to the beach and snorkeling and stuff like that. All of my watches got wet. Um, went up to Hanalei. Have you ever been to uh, Kauai? Because I Not hadn't. Kauai. Okay, so um, tell me if you agree. Like I, we stayed on the south side of the island. Yeah, Poipu. You, on, yep, exactly, Poipu. So staying in that area, and it, it feels like you're in Hawaii. But then you go to the north side of the island if you're, especially in Hanalei, and to me that feels like Tahiti. You know, just visually, like depending on what the weather is like and stuff, you're like, oh man, this, this looks like all the stuff I've seen, you know, for Tahiti. Never been, yeah, full disclosure, but just two completely different things. So we went up and, and, you know, did the North Shore a couple of times on that trip and just had a great time just seeing amazing stuff. And, you know, we're, my wife is very much into horticulture and, and, you go there and it's just like being in like a Disneyland of, of, you know, green growth. How was the food? Dude, food was good, man. Uh, very expensive. Um, but you know, uh, everything that we had was kind of elevated and, uh, I would say food was good. Cocktails were great. Beer was great. Um, Kauai brewing was good. Maui brewing is everywhere there, as you can imagine. And, uh, you know, happily gas prices were insanely expensive, but still about two bucks less than what we paid. I mean, we were paying about seven bucks a gallon recently. I can't, I still can't believe nobody really talks about that. Like that's just, we're just accepting that now, but yeah, uh, Hawaii was like five fifty, and I was happy. That's, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm happy for you, but also demoralized at the same. Yeah. Time. For 87 octane. Like <laughs> <laughs> so wrong, so wrong. Um, how was the rum tour, man? That sounded really cool. Yeah, well, I would say this: the rum tour. It's kind of a misnomer um, because they they don't do like you know uh, actual production there. It's not like going on a winery tour or whatever. But you get like some walkthrough around some property. But mainly, what you're doing is just you know, um, I want to say it's about thirty five or forty minutes. It's a bit of a fast lecture a bit of a group thing. Um, but I did approach them. So we'll see how it goes, uh, about having somebody from their company come on. This is the Kaloa rum company. Um, and it's a, uh, kind of an educated tasting. And I feel like I actually learned a bit about rum that I did not know and got to taste, you know, five or six different expressions. And they do, they did a, the revelation there for me was a, a coconut rum that I had, th I had thought was going to be absolute garbage because coconut rum is garbage. You thought it was going to be Malibu. Yeah, precisely. Uh, no, this is really good. Uh, very, you know, very clean. Um, not something I would necessarily sip, but it would be the kind of thing like if you wanted, if you wanted a really good like mixing spirit for a very focused kind of cocktail, you know, something, you know, like, uh, 
you know, a Mai Tai with like a coconut twist or something like that, instead of using, cause what I will do is sometimes put like maybe a half a teaspoon or a teaspoon of like a, uh, it's basically like a, a coconut syrup, yeah. you know, and in lieu of, you know, like a, uh, a red coloring or something like that and stir that in with the fruit juice, whatever you use, you know, I, I had so many different cool Mai Tais there and instead of doing something like that, you know, just go with like a 50, 50, instead of using a white rum and then a, you know, a brown or a spiced rum or something like that, you you can just start in instead of a white rum using that uh that coconut rum which is a, a white spirit with that coconut essence but they you know they had a few things that again I thought were going to be really kitschy and awful and we tasted just to see what it was like and it was like this is actually pretty good um you know they had a, a, a like a cacao infused rum uh yeah lots of good stuff they're, yeah. I would not recommend their pre-mixed Mai Tai. Like there was something kind of chemically about the, the juice component, but the, the booze itself was top notch. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And, uh, and I want to circle on to something and we can come back if there's more to share too. But I mean, how many days was it before you left that you got the call to run down to Feldmar and, uh, and, 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 and celebrate a new watch alert, you know, right before your trip? Oh, dude, I think it was, I think it was 48 hours before. Yeah. <laughs> so stop there for a second. So Matt alluded to it earlier. So Matt's at my house and I think we're exchanging something and just catching dude, I, up. I, I brought you over the, the Oris, the <laughs> Artelier, right. right? So I was like, Hey, I just, you know, I got this from Oris. I'd feel bad with it. Just, you know, kind of sitting in my safe while I'm gone. Why don't you, you know, take it, wear it, do the, you know, get the, the, photographs and all the NC2 photography and stuff while I'm gone. But yeah, while we're there, well, here you finish because you were the sort of the bystander. It was kind of funny. Yeah, it was great. And then there's a, there's a third entrance, a third entrant into this conversation, which also makes it really funny. We're going to triangulate it. And so I think you took a call. Oh, that's right. right. <laughs> you took a call and you kind of said, okay, yeah, sounds good. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can be over there or something along those lines. And, uh, and we both had to part, we both had to depart anyway. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like you literally took off, but you know, it was sort of the end of our, our meeting. And so you scoot out and I go about my business and probably an hour, two hours, three hours, a couple hours later, the text chain starts blowing up and there's pictures of the, of the new, of the new FXD on your wrist. And I'm stoked. And I'm like, I'm now I'm putting it together. I'm like, ah, I think I remember he was talking to some of our friends at Feldmar, everything came together. I knew you were, you know, sort of on the short list. Come to find out that <laughs> you had some windshield time on your way, I believe on your way there and called our buddy Spence to sort of just catch up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But mean, meanwhile, I was like in full stealth mode, you know, just driving. It was on, on my lunch. Basically, I had a long lunch that day. I'm like, I'm going to drive over to the AD. I'm like a 99% it's a buy. So, you know, let's just go. And and Spence and I were talking and, but I, I don't think, and you know, it was funny. I didn't, I don't think it was like a conscious decision to not talk about it, but it was almost yeah. kind of like I was preoccupied with the drive, catching up with Mike. And I think we might've talked about the watch cause it had only dropped like the day before, yeah. you know, and people were, were talking about it and there was all this stuff was coming out about the, you know, the, the press trip to Florida and everything like that. And I had, um, 
this did not happen, but I thought this happened for a second, but I'd gone back and forth with our, our friend and guest alumnus, Cole Pennington, who is with Tudor now. And, you know, he was kind of one of the, I, I presume is one of the, the masterminds behind the press trip, you know, in the launch event and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, Asha Wagner was there, um, you know, soul was there, the James and Jason were there, et cetera. Um, and, you know, Cole was like, hey, what do you think? Or I, I don't remember exactly what the context was. And I was like, you know, I've, I've asked for an allocation. We'll kind of see how it goes. And he was like, you know, well, just, you know, let me know. I mean, I, maybe we can make something happen. And like within 15 minutes of that exchange, I get a phone call from from Feldmar. And I had wondered for a second, like, does he know who my AD is? Like, did he did he make a phone call or whatever? It, and it wasn't. It was just coincidental. But they knew I was into it. They were like, hey, we're getting one and we're getting one more in like 30 days. And after that, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Do you want this one? It's like, yep, let's let's ah, do it. Such a good story. So the text chain blows up. Nat's sending wrist shots of, of the new watch when everybody's stoked. And Spence says something like, hey, man, we were we were on the phone as you were driving over there. And you didn't you didn't mention that's where you were on your way to. And you explained that you were just so preoccupied. And so I replied to the to the group, too. Hey, not only did he, did he not mention it to you, he just left my house <laughs> to go there. <laughs> I was standing in their driveway. You turned away for like a split second and you turned back and it was like, you know, the uh, just a, a a dust cloud Pff, gone. That's right. That's right. It was like uh, Kaiser Sose. That's right. <laughs> That's a deep cut reference, man. Uh, let's get into the watch then now, because um you, re- you you sort of you know you got into it a little bit earlier. There was the the uh, the 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 FXD the the Marine National Marine National that you sort of we talked about on the show. You maybe weren't so keen on it at first, but then really came back around. Um, walk us through sort of what you thought about when the you know when it dropped, and then how it all sort of came together, and maybe what some of your initial thoughts on it now are. Sure. Well, I mean, I think that. This is, um, this watch, obviously, again, as I, as I said, and I think a lot of people, the main beef with this watch, if you don't like it is going to be the, the removal of the otherwise outstanding bracelet and clasp combination, probably the best tool watch clasp in terms of functionality that's out there. You know, there's other things that kind of approach it and, and some stuff that's good. You know, Omega has some good stuff. Um, you know, even, even Zodiac, they've, you know, they've got that cool kind of integrated stretchiness you know, on, on either side of the clasp. Um, so they kind of, they've got a little bit of that going on. Um, and Tudor themselves have kind of what I think of as a dumbed down, but still very good kind of variant, which in T fit, you know, the T fit clasp, it's just a little bit less adjustable and, and it doesn't have the, the stretchy bit, but, uh, that the deletion of that feature, which is a pretty big, you know, thing that's gone, I think is more than made up for by thinning out the watch. And also the, the thing that kind of caused me to sell my first generation Pelagos that I got back in like 2013, when they very first came back to the country was the fact that they're the, the dial. And some people really like this because it, it adds like a real three dimensionality to it, but the dial from the the crystal on down to the you know the dial surface is really deep and it's got this really intense 3d effect but and and with like all these neat relieved surfaces and stuff 
But to me, after a while, I started to see that not as being cool, but as being like unnecessarily busy and the the sort of the monochromatic nature of it, it looked plasticky. Like the whole thing just looked like kind of a weird, like a, like a poker chip material. Like it just looked cheap and you know, it's not, but it's, I couldn't escape it. Like once I'd seen it and like, uh, you know, I just, and you interface with the dial and the bezel probably more than anything else on the watch. And once you sort of decide you don't like it, it's like, eh, whatever. And, yeah. Game over at that point. Yeah. So around the time that they started to introduce, um, an in-house version, which I think was maybe 2014 or 15, I had a, a friend who is, um, worth a follow by the way, David, the diamond guy. Um, you know, he's, uh, uh, diamonds and jewelry and watches in Orange County. And he was going to take like a month long trip to va- to Europe with his family, and he didn't want to take his like his bluesy or his you know gold GMT. He's like, I still like to take something cool. Let me take that. That's you know under the radar. I'll buy it from you. He just like bought it off my wrist. Cool. Um, and I told myself always that I would replace it with the new in house, but it never, it just never hit. The left hand drive is a lot better to me, but everything is still you know, in-house or not, it's still got the same thing, right? It's, it's a very deep dial. It's, it's really slab sided and thick. And the FXD really fixes that. In my opinion, it keeps the amazing bezel. It's it, I would say it's one of the two best bezels and they're, they're different, but one of the two best bezels ever would be this, the, the Pelagos in general, um, or, you know, one of the Damasco rotating bezel, you know, watches, those are phenomenal. And then just the fact that it's kind of, it's weird, it's quirky, it's a little visually weird. And it just, um, to me, it worked a lot better for me. Like it scratched an itch that something like the Black Bay 58 wouldn't. And I know we've talked about the fact that that's been on and off my, you know, uh, to sell list. And you know, I, it just, everything fell together. I, I reached out to a couple of people, a buddy of mine, what, you know, Zeke Speedmaster addict. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to like put him on blast or whatever, but I reached out and I was like, Hey dude, you know, do you know anybody who might be interested in this? And I think within a day it was sold to like a, wow, a buddy of his or relatives. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, it was, everything just kind of fell into place. I was like, okay, it's a sign and you know, we're doing this. So yeah. It's amazing. Um, I think it's rad. I think it's a, just a fun way, a fun story too. Like I think you obviously were super interested in it right when it came out and to get, you had to have been, not that this is like, you know, uh, you know, a metal ceremony or anything, but you had to have been one of the first people that probably had it on your wrist. I would imagine, you know, you know, I, I hadn't thought of it like that, but I think, yeah, probably, probably. I mean, I mean anybody who might have, anybody who might have bought it at the launch event, if they sold any, obviously those did. people would be first. Yeah. yeah. And, and, or if any, you know, collectors that maybe were able to get it like on the, on the, the release day. But I mean, I think so. Maybe. I'm, you had it on your wrist, like what? I don't know. 72 hours after it was like announced. I don't know. I mean, it was on there pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. It all came together. I'm, I'm super pumped and grateful for Feldmar because they've, they've always been super cool. And I am, I've bought a lot of watches from them relatively, but I mean, I am by no means like an important client for them. Not even close. Yeah. You know, you know, the kind of watches that they sell, but they, they just, uh, 
do this is not paid content by the way but we we do really like them for a reason they they're not gatekeeping in terms of like the access to the cool stuff yeah they they know you're if you're for real they'll give you a shot at it yeah yeah exactly um couple people have even picked it up since then too. Some people, I, I obviously Jason, I think has one now. Right. And, uh, um, yes. And our new, uh, your new, our, our new buddy, friend of the pod, but you met up with, uh, that lives John. nearby. Yeah. 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 Um, I, oh, I feel like a, a nut cause I can't call out his handle cause I think he just changed it and I don't know. I, I want to say it's called the grail NATO. Yeah. Right? I think that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Yep, exactly. But yeah, um, you know, somebody who's local to us, also kind of a beer guy. Um, and dude, we've got to go out and hook up with him. He's over by uh, Claremont Craft Brew. So we got to go our craft ales. Yeah, perfect. That would be fun. But yeah, I think he just got one in the past few days as well. That dude, his collection is like one of these tiny but mighty things, like where every single watch in his collection is just sick. It's everything's a banger. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, it seems like and just interesting stuff too. Not sort of anything you yeah expect, sort of off the shelf. Exactly, exactly, exactly. There is nothing is the usual suspect type watch. The, in fact, the FXD is probably the closest thing to it. But I mean, even so, it's like it's so good you, you can't be mad. But so, um, so so we touched on it a little bit earlier. But when the the Marine National came out, you sort of had a shot at one, but you didn't really think maybe it was the right one for you, but you sort of came around on it, right? And so yeah, did that yeah, sort I, of set you up to be like, hey, this one dropped and this one should be mine. That's exactly right. I mean, I really liked the MN when it came out, but I didn't think it, I thought it was too focused and too niche and I wouldn't be able to do enough with it in terms of like how I would wear it, you know, because you, you basically, you're wearing this on a NATO. That's it. Um, and I just didn't think I would like that. And so I, I couldn't see myself like plumping for that. And I started to regret it in relatively short order. In fact, yeah, I think when, fast. when we were, when we were at the ball game last year to remember with uh, yeah. the, the, in the Oris box and um, the other Matt uh, yeah. watches out West. Right. I think I, Oh, I hope I'm remembering this right. Or, and, or maybe I'm hoping he's not listening. But, uh, I think he had one and that was just one where I was like, oh, I was so dumb, <laughs> so dumb. It's so good. You know, it, it really would be like the ultimate two watch collection from Tudor would be this watch and a slightly smaller GMT. Mm, yeah. That really or, or slightly, cool. that you know, true. slightly trimmer. It doesn't have to be smaller, but maybe, you know, two millimeters thinner would be awesome. And then yeah, I could be done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell you though, I do, I do think that this that this black one suits you and your style and how you like to mix and match combos probably better than the MN. Um, even though I, I think the MN is really freaking cool and I love the color, but for you, I actually think this is the right one. I do too. I think this is better aesthetically. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I always want to like blue watches, but then when I get them, I'm like, uh, there's some, you know, it's got to be really, really the right blue and most blue watches just aren't. And I, you know, yeah. I love Rolex and Omega and for the most part, I don't think their blues are good. I don't really, I think the blue 
Pelagos is oversaturated. It's that it's got that weird kind of like a, a, a bright, there's like a, a, a bright white undertone to it. Um, yeah. And I, once I have it, I'm like, I acknowledge it's bitching, but just not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, speaking of colored dials, is this a good, maybe this is a good inflection point where you might shift to some thoughts and reactions to the, uh, to the Oris, uh, Artelier S. Yeah, dude. Well, I've got this in, in hand. I took it off. Um, again, it was, it's, I, if this was my watch, as much as I like it, I probably would 86, the, uh, just for my wrist and hand size would probably get rid of the, really the very good deployment, but it just doesn't work for me. It's either too tight or too loose, but yeah, it's a, it's an amazing dial. It's, it's kind of like if you mashed up like a, uh, an Omega pie pan and a Moser. Yeah. What did I you agree think with you? you? Yeah, you no, had it for a decent chunk. I did. And, and to be honest, that was sort of one of my first reactions too. was, you know, it's sort of this, you know, Moser Endeavor kind of center seconds. There's this green dialed Moser Endeavor, right? And, and, and it's a different treatment on the dial texture. And, and immediately I understand this, you know, high horology and, 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 and these are different, different beasts altogether. But in terms of simplicity and elegance, you know, for the sake of doing it, you know, well, they reminded me of each other. Uh, that was sort of my first initial reaction, you know, upon spending time with it. So, but you know what? Let's back up for a second. Do, do you think everybody knows what this watch is? I mean, Oris has had a lot of releases lately, and I feel like some of them have gotten some much more coverage than others. Um, it might be good for us to even, I mean, people can Google it or look it up and, and look on Instagram, but maybe we could just give a quick little snapshot of, of what this watch is. Sure, because I think you're absolutely right. I think um, it's the kind of thing where people who are listening to this podcast probably know what it is. When they look it up, they'll remember it. Not that they know it offhand. I think this is the kind of thing that falls through the cracks. It is not in everybody's wheelhouse. It's not an, in my opinion, it could be an everyday watch for somebody you know who's you know kind of working a traditional you know office job or dressing up a little bit. But this format is what this is. I think thirty nine millimeters. 38. Okay. 38. Um, and we'll get back to this, but I mean, visually it looks like it's 40 because this thing is yeah. all dial, right? All dial. Basically minimal, if any bezel, it's all dial. So it looks pretty big and it is a, um, it's kind of a, I would say it's, you know, relatively modern, but very classic, uh, you know, gents watch, not necessarily a dress watch based on how it's sized and how it's spec'd. But, you know, I would, I would say it's like a, a, a gents watch. And if you want to think of something would, I would say maybe something close, although I, I would say this is better in terms of spec, but think of something like a cocktail time from Seiko. There you go. Right. Like that's that kind of use case where, you know, you can dress it up a little or down a little, but it is, um, it's mainly for, you know, somebody who's, you know, not necessarily, you know, doing sh shade tree mechanic stuff on their car. Um, this is probably for somebody who's, you know, kind of a, a work a day office, maybe a little more buttoned down. Um, you know, fairly trim, I would say fairly thin, kind of elegant, like baton style handset. There is loom. 
Um, interestingly, the, the second hand does not have a counterweight. That's kind of interesting visually. You know, it's, it, it takes a second to kind of realize like, why does, what is different with this? And there's, there is no counterweight to the second hand or to the, the other hands either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, a bit of loom at, you know, what would be, you know, 12, 5, 10, 15, the minute markers. There are no numerals anywhere on this thing. Green dial. There's also a dark dial. Again, this is the the Waldenberg, like a, a forest green color is what they're calling it. And I think that's kind of meant to evoke the area around Holstein where, where they're based. Uh, display case back. Signature red rotor. This is not one of the in-house movements. So this is a, a bought in. I think this is a Salita. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, your MSRP is 2200 Yeah. And, you know, this is a, uh, you know, three, basically three bar water resistance. Um, little surprising because, you know, they're, they're, I always think of uh, Oris as being kind of like Seiko where they're, you know, a little bit above average in terms of their water resistance for, for this kind of watch, but it does not have a screw down crown. Um it's got really, really nice hand winding action to the automatic movement. But again, no screw down crown. Uh, sign crown. Sign crown is very elegant. Everything about this is like just very classic. The dial is incredible. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's definitely something that like I could, I could wear even in my relatively kind of dress casual work environment. And I dig it. There are definitely a few things I don't like or that I would like to change or, you know, punch up a little bit or whatever. What did you think of it? I I pretty much nailed it. You know, I'm wearing this, you know, Oris 80th anniversary big crown just to sort of, you know, call back to to this watch with the green dial. They're they're very different green dials. That one's very dynamic. Um, Yeah, it's 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 a really cool watch. Um, It is, I think, a really neat way to get into kind of simple simplicity simplicity not for sort of a basics basic sake but simplicity with intention right like it's it's meant to be a three-hander the only things on the dial are oris and swiss made at the bottom and then you sort of have a railroad track you know around the outside uh for for the minute markers and that's it you know um i would easily like you said you could easily see this as sort of a one watch for somebody who was maybe just looking, maybe didn't want a ton of watches and didn't need sort of a, a tool watch. They might just wear it, you know, with sort of a, a smart casual look. Um, I thought it was a, I think it's really well done. I think it'd be interesting to see where they go with the dial colors. You know, right now the green is is striking, but you know, in terms of a green watch, you know, that's not going to fit everybody's style or taste. There is like sort of an anthracite or, or black, uh, so this could be sort of, maybe it could be sort of the OP, you know, uh, look, you know, uh, the OP, uh, look for, for Oris where you have maybe kind of crazy colors. Maybe there's a red one. You wouldn't always want a red watch, but this is maybe the one that would work, or maybe there's sort of some other really interesting colors, um, to, to kind of go in there here. You, you basically said it too. It's, it's the kind of watch I think where given how much the dial presence is, I'm glad that they're letting that dial shine. Uh, but given sort of what, how I would wear this watch, I would love it at like 36. 
36 millimeters to me with as much dial as it has and as little bezel, that to me would just be a real, real sweet spot. 38, totally fine. Um, looks the part on the watch. Uh, for my personal, you know, for my own personal taste, though, I think 36 would just knock it out of the park. Yeah, it's got the Oris, or I'm sorry, the Nomos effect with this Oris and that, you know, it it definitely wears and visually it looks larger than it is because of, you know, the it's got an amazing dial and super minimal bezel. So, you know, on my wrist, this thing looks like it's more like 40. I like the size, but I think that is going to be, if any you know, like uh, watch people, I'm making this in quotes, get their hands on this. That is probably going to be the complaint is going to be, you know, can it, can it be smaller? And I know we hear that all the time. Geez. Uh, could it be smaller in this case, if it was smaller a little bit, you know, uh, 36, 37, that probably wouldn't go, uh, wouldn't go wrong, making it a little bit smaller. For me, I'm down. I think what I would want to change on this, I think is awesome as the dial is. And it really, really is good. I like the color. I like the execution. I love the way that there's that shadow around the edge of it because it does sort of the, the dial surface itself dives downward similar yeah. to the Omega pie pans and, and others, you know, I think, uh, I want to say Glashuta original does that as well. And, and probably others that I just can't think of right now. It's not interrupted by a date window. It's, it's really cool. I would pay a little bit more to have a slightly better handset. There's mm -hmm. just something, and maybe it's because there's so much light coming off the dial, but the handset is really trim. And so it's, it's sort of lost in the reflection. Um, and I think the finish could be a little bit better, even for the price. That would be the one thing I would challenge Oris and say, Hey, could you, could you kind of rethink the handset a little bit just so it stands out better? It might be completely different on black. And now that I say that, I bet it is. Because I imagine the, the black is maybe, or not the black, but like the the anthracite or whatever, probably doesn't over, like overawe the handset. But other than that, man, I mean, I think this thing is pretty bitching. The word mark, I would change the word mark a little bit. This is a, a fairly, you know, this is kind of like borderline fancy watch in terms of what it looks like. I would, the, the Oris word mark on the dial is a little clunky. What would you do though? Cause that is the word mark. Yeah. I mean, I would just maybe, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I say it's kind of the same, but I mean, I think I'm leaving myself a little wiggle room by saying kind of, I think it is the same on pretty much everything, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, think um, so. I think so too. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that is the same. I just think on something like this, um, the the font is a little clunky. It could be a little more elegant, maybe something with script or I don't know. I you know, I, I think I see what you're going for, actually, because, again, the point I think what we're trying to what we're sort of getting to here is the what is the style of this watch? Right. It's it's a little bit dressy, but it's not a full on dress watch. It's that sort of smart casual, right, where you're sort of, you know, it's an elevated sort of look, but it's not, you know, it's not a, you know, a tool watch. It's not a you know, but it's also not, you know, uh, you're not, you're not specifically wearing this with, it doesn't look out of place with a pair of jeans. Right. So, right. You know, given sort of what you're describing, how do you sort of make that the focal point? Yeah, there's gotta be, 
We should probably talk to, you know, somebody like our friend Summer Eskimo, who's kind of a design nerd or, you know, somebody who, who is into, you know, typeface and fonts and stuff like that, which, you know, up until 10 years ago, I didn't know that was really an area of study, but I guess it is. But in this case, yeah, I think it, the watch would be well served by something just a little, a little out of the ordinary, um, for the, the word mark. In fact, I probably would want to punch that up even more than the handset, the other thing I'm trying to imagine what this would look like on a NATO, you know, I have, I sort of, you know, I'm in whatever, as close as you can be to like an edge Lord in, in the, the watch dilettante space that, that we're in, I'll, I'll put like a, you know, my white dialed, like, you know, white gold bezeled, uh, date just on a NATO strap you know, I'll take it off the Jubilee or I'll, I'll put my SBGA 413, you know, the Grand Seiko on like my trademark Sage NATO. And it, it looks pretty cool. I don't know how this one would look on a NATO. It would maybe the color's too specific on the dial, but it would be interesting to see. You make a good point about the black, uh, the, the green dial, the black dial, I think would certainly play into it. I, I think that would be better. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on sort of how you did it. Um, you know, I've got an old, um, like you were just saying, you'll put a NATO on anything. I've got an old, like time, like a three hander vintage, uh, watch, which I've talked about on, on the show before. And I've got it on a blue NATO now it's it's a silver dial, but the point is it's like, it gives it sort of, um, when something sort of restrained and sort of, um, simple, it, it gives it almost this, uh, how to describe it a little bit of like a preppy look to it. Like, um, almost like a rowing blazers look. You know what I mean? If you put, if you put this Artelier on a, on a, like a really nice NATO that matched or was complimentary to the dial, it would give it sort of this, like, uh, like a rowing blazers look to me, like sort of a nice watch, but sort of dressed down casual, but sort of, um, still thoughtful. I don't know. No, I think that makes sense. I get it. Yeah, but anyway, it's a very cool watch. Um, I'd be curious. I've noticed it on the Oris feed the last few days, um, and maybe they're trying to make sure that it gets out there a little bit now. I'd be curious to see, like you said, as people maybe get their hands on it or see it in person or pay a little more attention to it, what the uh, what the thoughts on it all are. I-, I thought the rectangular, which we had a while back too, was something that flew under the radar for a little while. And um, I don't know if it's just you know, our little ecosystem or whatever, but I I feel like I've seen a few more out there lately, which has been cool. So it'd be nice to see if this one finds its way to a a, a few wrists because I think it's a a very handsome watch. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm happy we were able to get this just because it is, um, not the kind of watch that you're going to see covered heavily everywhere else. And I like looking at stuff like this where to me, this is a very viable watch for somebody who's you know, who wants a good watch and likes watches, but doesn't want to, you know, go over the top with like the, the big, you know, dive watch or or something clunky. And we know there are people like that. I, I can't fathom being like that, but there's a lot of people that want, you know, something that's just a little more normal. Yeah. 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 This is, this is great. And this watch is, would have looked great. 20 years ago or 50 years ago and probably will look great 20 to 50 years from now. Oh yeah. That's a great point. It is very timeless. Yep. And you're, I will never not like the red rotor. 
I, yeah. I think to be honest, I, I don't know that this is not true, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure the caliber 400s don't have the red rotor. I think that's a huge mistake. I would, I would put the red rotor on that. I'm fairly certain you're right. Um, I'd have to look back through the catalog, but I think you're right about that. Yeah. That's like, that's like getting rid of the, uh, the Cyclops on a Rolex. Yeah. Or the power reserve, uh, indicator on the dial of a Grand Seiko. Yes. Although I think, yeah, a, a lot of people would like that, but I, I like it. A lot of I people know. would love to see that gone anyway, whatever. But yeah, that's the, uh, the Oris Artelier S. It is not an easy word to say, but it's a pretty cool watch. A very cool watch. Uh, that's a whole line, I think, for Oris as well. And it is. It, yeah. Yeah. I used to think for the longest time, when I was originally shopping for an Oris watch, when I first discovered the brand, it was probably in about 2008. And um, I thought that I, I was like misreading the word. You know, or maybe the, I was like, that. did they, you know, do I have it wrong? Like, have I always heard the word wrong? Because I think of, right, Atelier, you know, it's, I think it's kind of a play on words. Um, And I remember for the longest time, not really getting it. And I, I don't know if there's like a, a, a joke in there or if it's, there's something that's built in, but yeah, they've, they've had something called Atelier for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. They're usually some sort of complications to some degree. Right. And, and, uh, they've done a lot with that line and this is by far the most restrained version of them, but, uh, a really neat release. Nonetheless, I'll be curious to see how it does and if they expand on it, you know, with dial colors, et cetera. Yeah, man. In fact, you know what? I'm saying that now nah, I'm going to save it for offline because I'm going to make myself sound like an idiot if I'm wrong. And I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent wrong, but it makes me wonder, you know, I, I always come across these references to, uh, like the art Blakely watch or is it Blakely, Blakey, Blakely. I don't remember. I think, but I think it's Blakey. Right. And that makes me wonder if that's the origin of that A R T instead of A T. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? We'll have to ask question for VJ. Uh, good thing we know where to go to get answers. Yes, yes, for sure. Well, dude, yeah, so that's, that is Oris. We've debriefed Hawaii. Um, I have opened another beer. I've now, I've moved on to the, uh, the Vine Stefan or Pilsner. Very another, nice. The, 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 the most like basic bitch of German imports. And it is, uh, it's a very good beer. This could be a desert island beer. Yeah, well, I, speaking of Desert Island beers, I'm moving on. I also did open a Pacifico, and so that's where I'm at. Nice. Dude, where do you get it in cans? I mean, I've seen it, and I've had it in cans, but I don't find it reliably. Where do you get it? Is it at Mission? Uh, Mission does carry it in cans. It's But like you said, though, it's not reliable. Um, the grocery store, depending on where you go, like a Ralph's or even uh, Smart and Final. It, do you go to Vallarta? Uh, you know what? I, I do go to Vallarta sometimes. I was just talking with, to somebody about this. Um, Vallarta is surprisingly expensive, I think for what it is. Um, so sometimes I, I go there for very specific things. Got it. For, you know, for people who are listening, who are not in Southern California, if you haven't kind of pieced it together by context, Vallarta is one of, one of many, but it's a, a pretty nice one. Uh, Mexican market here in Southern California. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's a big, it's sort of like a big box Mexican grocery store, right? Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, I guess so. 
Yeah. Cause I mean, it, I mean, it looks from the outside and from the inside, it looks like a, you know, like a big grocery store, um, less so like a corner market, uh, or something, but, um, surprisingly expensive. I, I, I don't know, not expensive, but just maybe it's just more than I expect, uh, at certain places. But yeah, the cans are hard to find. And and honestly, I'm not really like a glass. I'm not really like a glass evangelist. I I, I like the sort of reduced weight and sort of ease of um, you know, disposing of cans and then quite frankly, by the pool, it's really much better for me to have cans almost exclusively. So, I actually really prefer cans over glass these days. Right? Yeah, I mean, I have um my backyard is about 90% you know, uh, soft material underfoot and grass and whatnot. And but you're just exactly the opposite, right? I mean, you're mostly <laughs> yeah, it's like hardscaped. 90% and, hardscaped. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you, you don't want to drop a bottle like where, where you are for me. I'm yeah. like, oops, pick it up. You know, yeah. it'll be a little yeah. foamy. Have a sip. That's a good but, point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're, exactly. you're having to go get the, uh, the broom. If you drop yeah, a bottle, I try to, I try to avoid that, but yeah, I, I do prefer it in the can too. For some reason it's just, uh, but it, it, it's a hit and miss because it's not always in stock anyway, but when it is, it's almost always definitely in bottles. And then the cans is maybe 50, 50. Yeah. Well, I, I do believe the data supports, um, in terms of like blind tastings and stuff that the the cans are better. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I want to say that there's, there's been, we should, again, we need to have Kelly beer Nye on. Um, Good idea. Cause he, he probably knows. I think he's like an actual beer science guy, but, uh, you know, in fact, I think uh, it was Golden Road that like harnessed some of that data in their business plan when they launched. Again, that's Meg Gill before they sold the company. Um, Meg Gill, I think, uh, Harvard Business School alum. But um, she was really firm in wanting to go cans as much as possible because, you know, logistics and stuff like that. But also, uh, I think there probably is something to the idea of keeping really minimal oxygen and, you know, no light transmission. And it's a a lot easier to avoid like skunked beer when you have to move them over big distances and especially imports. If I, and I do find them sometimes, um, if I can find like the good German beers in cans, you, you know, they're probably going to be better overall. They've held up better in transit. That's interesting. I mean, you're right about the the skunking and the light, you know, the light blocking. Um, it's funny because so we were at this 70th birthday party and I remember somebody was going to the beer chest and I think I was next to them and I was, you know, filling it up with more beers or whatever. And I said, oh, what can I grab you? She was like, oh, whatever's in a bottle. Oh, she asked for like a Modelo or something. And I was like, oh, I had bought I had bought cans because I just like you said, I just prefer them. And she was like, oh, whatever's in a bottle. And I was like, oh, I think there's some Modelo bottles someone else had brought. And so it was almost like in her head, you know, it's almost like people sometimes have thought that bottles are like more. I don't know what's like a, like a higher, like a, like a higher, a higher presentation of the same beer, like the same beer and glass versus can. And the bottle is like a, like a higher presentation. No, that's a hundred percent accurate. I have I have seen market research on this um, that in like the medium and and higher end wines, that the glass stock that's used in some of these the bottlings, the bottles themselves can be very expensive because it's a really thick stock glass. Yeah, and people the perception of quality in some of these you know thick glasses with the really you know uh, uh, 
very thick kind of heavily arched inward, you know, bottom and the thing <laughs> that actually, that sounded funny. Um, but, uh, uh, if this, do the Kardashians make wine? I don't know, <laughs> but, um, thick just bottoms. a really, yeah, exactly. A really, really like heavy glass. It, it gives you the same feel in hand when you pick it up. It's got like a heft of like a champagne bottle. Yeah. And I, the people definitely associate that with higher quality. So all things can, all things being equal, like that heavier bottle feels like something. And people I think do like glass. They just like it. You know, I mean, well, let's bring it all the way back. Right. And you, you picked up that Zen not too long ago. I think titanium's obviously having like a real, you know, glow up right now, but I think there's still a number of people that just can't really get over the lightness of titanium versus a stainless steel watch on a stainless steel bracelet. And one feels luxury and maybe one feels sort of, you know, less so. Yeah, that's, that's a, I think a well understood phenomenon in the watch world too. Yeah. Yeah. People, I mean, you know, they associate heft and sort of, you know, some, something there with, uh, with quality or luxury. Totally. Yeah, that's a a real thing. Accurate, I believe. Yeah. Right on. Well, here, I'm going to have a sip too. Hang on. Oh, that works. That's good stuff, man. Especially straight from the bottle. That's right, man. Well, let me ask you this. This is just kind of uh cheese may, right? So we're what have you seen any of the uh like the new Hodinky content? Yeah, in terms of like the the multimedia, the visual stuff? The, the basically the new like talking watches you know I, uh, I i i didn't watch it yet but i saw it on on the site on the front page so you know i think sort of what we were getting at here is it seems like uh the big h is is making a pivot right in terms of some of the content and the types of content they want to deliver now and maybe that's in response to sort of you know reinvigorating the coverage that they're doing over there yeah, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes there, but if um you know, in the specific like topics and stuff that, you know, or or topic, I mean, it's been one thing, right? But I mean, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, if you've if you're kind of like us, I don't I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, Greg, but I still look at Hodinky a couple times a week. Yeah. But it does feel like it has it has gotten a kind of stale, kind of overly commercial. I mean, if you look, there were times when I would look and you'd see like on my iPad having coffee, like on a Saturday morning, the first like six panes and like three or four would be sponsored content or, you know, paid partnership or, you know, and they're not actual, you know, stuff, not non-informative, you know, so, and Range Rover and stuff like that. And that's fine. But, you know, th- there's a lot of it and not a lot of the flow seems like it wasn't like it used to be where you'd get two, three, four things a day. And, you know, sometimes it'll be, it, it feels like anyway, you can look and anyway, it seems like I'm, I'm hoping that this is maybe a bit of a return to form because the latest talking watches could be, I mean, potentially kind of a, a monster, you know, 10 years ago, this would have been amazing to have John Mayer, not as the subject, but as the host and not like a 15, 20, 25 minute talking watches, but an hour with Ed Sheeran. And granted, the watches are not like in my wheelhouse, but I think John Mayer is an, an, a very good host. He's a very good raconteur. I think, uh, you know, if that continues, that's that's maybe pulls people kind of back into the Hodinky fold. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I think we've we've talked about this a few different ways. There was a, a time not that long ago where, yeah, if I would land on the page, I'd probably open three or four tabs. Oh, that story looks interesting. I'll read that. You know, that story looks interesting. I'll read that. Leave them open and go through the whole thing. And now when I get there, you know, if there's not something that kind of hits me on the on the front page, I quite frankly kind of navigate off of it. So to your point, I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat as you. We've also talked about this too. I mean, listen, you know, some of the stuff they're putting out, you know, is like extremely or had been for a while, you know, have extremely high production. And so, you know, you're just balancing the bottom line to be able to do, hey, watches in the wild. We're sending some of our best people all over the US or all over the world for that matter to make yeah. super high end stuff. And so I get it. Like you got to make sure the the numbers work to to do that stuff with with the other thing. So I get it. Um, but all things said, I mean, I think this is an interesting pivot for them. Um, I'll be curious to see how it goes. You know, I, I mentioned this to you offline earlier. I, I do agree with you. John Mayer is super interesting. I do. I'm in some ways a little fatigued by just John Mayer and Ed Sheeran in the watch space in general. I almost feel like it's sort of the Taylor Swift, uh, <laughs> the Taylor Swift phenomenon in the NFL. Like I'm just, I'm sort of good with it now. Like <laughs> leave it alone. Like I know she's in the box, right? I know she's watching the game, right? I know John collects watches and I know Ed does too. I, I'm good now. <laughs> yeah you yeah you i get the impression this is how i feel like if if you were to run into him at feldmar or at want to buy a watch or something like that that would be like you know absolutely like you know bucket list conversation like over, over a couple rad. watches hell yeah so it's it's not it's not the dude it's the coverage and the presence and like the oversaturation and it's not him. I mean, it's there, it's probably eight or 10 people or, you know, or specific watches or families of watches that we just see over and over and over again. Um, you know, but I, not only would I like not kick the opportunity to hang out with that dude over watches and a beer out of bed for eating crackers. Like I would, I would definitely be like down for that. Yeah. But yeah, but on the other hand though, when you, I think when you switch the positions around and he's, I mean, granted he's in front of the camera still, but you know, he's kind of the person doing the, the talking, leading, leading somebody through an interview. Um, it was just a, a different formula. So I, I liked it. I think it's, and again, not, not being like a, a huge Ed Sheeran fan or anything. Um, and not really being like a big, you know, Trinity watch person. Uh, and I will hold up my hand and say, yeah, it is because of lack of funds. You know, if you, if you give me a million dollars, we're going to have a few Trinity watches in the collection, but, uh, it's just not something that's in my wheelhouse on the day to day. It's hard to connect with, but this video is good. And if it's kind of a return to form, cause I think Hodinkee is one of those platforms where when it's good, it's the best. And it just, it's it's gone from being good maybe 40 or 50% of the time, which is a very good batting average to being good like 10% of the time. And if they can kind of come back to that, you know, 40 or 50% of the time, they, and I hope they do, it could be amazing. Cause it yeah. does seem like everybody, there's been just this kind of exodus, but I'm interested to see if they bring the, you know, the podcast back with James, that was a great property for them. Yeah, I almost liken it to like, you know, when the Lakers are good, it's good for basketball, 
right? When Hodinkee's good, it's good for sort of watch media and, and sort of content. Yeah. Yeah. In Formula One terms, I'm not a Ferrari fan, but when Ferrari wins, go. it's good. It's good for the sport. It's good for the, the car business. Um, you know, and so it's it's one of those things where I I root for the hobby, you know, more than any one brand or one personality or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I was encouraged by it. Yeah, no, that's it's interesting. Well, I think we'll, you know, we'll see how that develops. I think, uh, you know, people continue to have lots of opinions about <laughs> about it. <laughs> totally. They, I, I feel some kind of way. I think that's, <laughs> you know, I say that's what the kids say, but I think that's what the kids say like 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, I don't know what the kids say. I used to know, I used to be hip, but not, not anymore. <laughs> well, when you say stuff like that, you're definitely not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There was, <laughs> there's a great Simpsons with grandpa Simpson. Like I used to know what, what it was. I was with it. Now I don't know what it is and I'm vaguely scared of it. <laughs> Man, how many years has The Simpsons been on now? 25, 26, 27? Oh, dude, no. It's uh, it's in the Is 30s. Are, are they over 30 now? Yeah. I mean, it came out. I, I remember the, I watched the first episode. I made like, it was appointment television because I was a Matt Grady really books, yeah. books fan. And uh, the very first episode was in the winter of 89. And I watched it like on a on a 15-inch or 13-inch black and white TV in my dorm room um, with my my buddy from my ROTC detachment at Arizona Crazy. state university, that two five, what? Um, and we, we watched that and we're cracking up. So you figured that's 34 years. It, it, it is. Yeah. I think they, there's 34 seasons. There's 34 seasons, I think is what I'm basically coming to. That's incredible. That is wow. That is really something. We have a joke in our house. Cause we're, not not into it over the past like maybe 15 or 20 years but i mean we i probably own actually i don't probably i own like maybe the first 15 seasons on dvd and uh my wife and i are huge fans and we can have like entire conversations even like in depth kind of you know serious conversations just in like simpsons idioma you know just simpsons quotes and drops and stuff like that and it's a cliche, but like you can any plot line on any even vaguely lighthearted show, Simpsons did it. Yeah. And, and and it's really uncanny how they like somehow preview like major events like a year or two before they happen in sort of this very Simpsons sort of theoretical way. It's uh it's it's crazy. Oh yeah, totally. A hundred yeah. I it's it's a, a cultural phenomenon that continues. I mean, I think it's it's relative importance has kind of dropped off significantly. Yeah. Just there's so much other stuff. But I there's mean there's just so much stuff. Yeah. But it's it's still pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Anyhow. Well, dude, we're we're coming up on like an hour and fifteen. It feels like we've been talking for five minutes and we knew this would happen. It always does. And we had a lot to catch up on. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun, man. I think we're back into the back, in, back on the, on the wagon per se. Uh, yeah. I think you've even had a chance to make a, to grab another episode or two sort of in the background. So between yeah. dropping this one and, and some other stuff we've already done and, and some stuff we'll, we'll get in the hopper. I think it'd be fun to, to start getting some stuff back out there. Yeah. I think, um, 
I think we can tease it because I think the way this is going to work again, assuming we don't have any, you know, gremlins in the electrons here, uh, this episode will probably come out in the next few days. I mean, we're, you know, uh, I guess we're in the early teens. No, this is Friday the 13th. Yeah. So the early it teens, is Friday, the 13th, Friday, October the 13th. Holy wow. We didn't even, we didn't even yeah. acknowledge that. Yeah. Right, 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 right. The last Friday the 13th that I can remember as Friday the 13th was the day we locked down in 2020. Oh, wow. It was March, March 13th. It was March 13th. I remember that very specifically. I didn't, I, yeah, actually, I do remember it was a Friday now because um, we had a back to school night for preschool. Oh, I shouldn't say back to school. It was a parents' night. Parents' night, no kids. Parents' night, it's a fun night. They have margaritas and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, we were like, should we go? Shouldn't we? Dude, go? where yeah. do your kids go to school, man? <laughs> <laughs> the only at, at the kind of place that is that, that somebody would host the Spirit of Time podcast from. Um, Dude, yeah, right. We're, <laughs> we were like, should we go? We we're like, yeah, we know we might not make it out for a couple weeks after this, so let's let's make sure we go. <laughs> our next, yeah, our next guest is Greg's kids' preschools teacher. <laughs> oh yeah, Brian's had her over to the High West Saloon. She's yeah, they're it's a funny group, funny crew. I okay, we didn't plan on talking about this, but like how rad would that be? Like if every you know kind of uh uh now nah, I, I say it would be rad, but it would probably be super problematic. <laughs> but it would still be so fun to have you know margaritas basically everybody go from room to room like my kids high school. You know, here's here's your beer, you know, here's your margarita. <laughs> You know, you're uh, in in five minutes. You need to go to your kids. You know, third period English class. Okay. Yeah. When you get yeah. to when you get to the Spanish class. Okay. Yeah. Here's you're you're switching over to uh, to Modelo or whatever. This is hilarious because I also just had a parent teacher conference this morning. So this is like very 360, 360 view on sort of the school setting. Totally. Well, anyhow, man, um, we've talked about a lot. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot because we did pick this up. I mean, even this episode, after not having done anything in a while, like we we this was a hurry up offense kind of episode for us. We we had to put it together at the last minute. Like, hey, can we do it? Can we do it? Because we're just so incredibly busy right now. Um, but is there anything you would want to recommend or suggest or whatever? I have something. If you don't, don't sweat it. Yeah, yeah, I've got uh, I've got two things I was going to mention. Let me do Let me do this one cuz the other one's kind of played out. Uh have you seen the Gran Turismo movie? I have not, but I'd like to cuz I have No, I don't have the game actually. I have uh Forza. It's really good. Um go check it out. I think if you're into the game, if you're into racing, obviously any of that, it should be right up your right up your alley. It was pretty cool. It was, um, the style of the movie, like the cinematography and the production was really interesting. Um, it sort of reminded me of the Atari movie. Did you see that? Did you see that on Apple TV? No, I didn't. That was a cool movie actually. Okay. So I'll give you a double feature then a double feature recommendation. So I recently saw the grand Turismo movie. Go check it out. I thought it was very cool. Uh, it reminded me in terms of its production and cinematography of the Atari movie, which was on Apple TV, maybe about a year ago. What's that guy's name? Taron Egerton or something? Uh, yeah. Um, like Eger- Edgerton. Edgerton. I, yeah. I know something who you mean, like that. I can picture him. So that, that was an int- real, that was a really fascinating story about 
how Atari was developed in Russia and how it ended up becoming like an international video game sensation. But the point I was trying to make was the way they do the production is sort of like sort of video gamey in some ways. Right. So like there's it's, it's being filmed like on camera, but then the way they use the effects, it's just a new way of making movies, almost like the Spider-Man What's the new Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse or whatever. It's sort of like half movie, not half movie. I'm using the wrong ratios, but part movie, part video game in terms of like the animation and transitions and production. Very interesting. It's, I feel like it's a new style of movie. Um, anyway, the Grand Treason movie was really good. It's a crazy story, by the way. Did you know anything about the story? Nothing at all, no. So Nissan, <laughs> Nissan actually like brought a couple drivers together. Oh yes. Okay. So I, I'm I'm thinking of you know like uh, yeah I know it by some a different name but yeah basically like the the Nissan Driver Academy and yes. the way they essentially use like a a a pumped up version of Gran Turismo like that uh that graphics engine and that that gaming engine to teach people and and essentially weed out by skill and yeah i so i followed that that was a big deal like eight or ten years ago in le mans that's crazy that was the deal like after a you know a year of participating in that academy yeah you the the person who kind of the gladiator that you know comes out at the end is uh has a seat in the nissan team and, and 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 he so the way they pitched it in the movie, like you said, I think is not a hunt, which is quite practically how they do this all the time. Was not quite representative of like you said how they actually used it. But the the point is, and the the fact of the matter, as I understood it, was that that driver came out of nowhere, and he was a gamer, and they ended up training him into being a driver because he, like you said, sort of elevated himself you know, through, through the, 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 the sort of weeding out process. So fascinating. I mean, it's just a really interesting point in motorsport history. I feel like in terms of just sort of integrating all that stuff together, um, check it out. I think it's cool. I think you would love it actually. Yeah. You know what? I, I would like to see that. Cause I, I do remember following that in real time. There's a, a phenomenal podcast and to be honest, it's really time intensive. So I don't listen to it as much as I should, but, um, radio Lamont, and, you know, they, they talked about that when that was, you know, kind of coming up. And so there were all kinds of updates and you'd, you'd find out about And there's been more than one driver that's come through that, but that is essentially like a, an online sim academy yeah. and, you know, people are, are gaming against each other in, in huge, you know, online competitions. And as, as people are kind of, the cream is rising to the top and Nissan identified these people. It was really cool. Yeah, it was fascinating. I actually didn't know that part of it until they explained it through. So a pretty interesting cast. Orlando Bloom's in it. Um, I guess David Harbour. I didn't know that was his name, but he's the guy from Stranger Things, the sheriff. Yep. Uh, Jerry Hallowell, <laughs> ironically. Uh, yeah, I guess the main character is Archie Madekwe. Um, Yeah, it was cool. I think a lot of people would enjoy it. I know you would. So keep it on your short list. Yeah, I'll have to check that out, man. I uh, I like Orlando Bloom. Um, that would be pretty cool to check out. David Harbour, by the way, also uh, is the bad guy in uh, Quantum of Solace. Well, one of the bad guys, not the bad ah, guy. Ah, good call. That's right. He's he's the uh, like kind of the dirty CIA guy. Yep, 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 yep. Great call. Yeah. Great call. He's a good actor. 
yeah, he really is. He's, uh, he's got that kind of, that intensity. Like we, my, my kids love him as, as Sheriff Hopper. Yeah. Cause of the way he's like really protective of, of 11, you know, <laughs> it's a, a song the, you know, you don't mess around with Jim. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he yeah. plays, uh, in this one, he plays a Nissan. He's like a driver, he's a driver trainer and he's a, he's a hard ass and he doesn't think this kid can cut it. So that's right up his alley. Right on. We'll have to check it out. Well, I've got something that is not new. Um, and it's not, honestly, it's not even new to me. I mean, I started, you know, watching it. I've seen it a few times and, and have we rewatched it because it's so light. And frankly, I'm going to probably rewatch it tomorrow just because the past week has been so like heavy and dark. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're doing this, frankly, this episode just, you know, for people listening because we, I, I need a break from the intensity of stuff. I mean, I'm, I mainline anything that's kind of news, current events, military affairs and stuff like that. And it's just been really hard to get away with or get away from the, you know, the dark, intense nature of, of the news over the past week. And, you know, so it was not super easy to rally to do this episode, but if there's people like us, you know, that they, they probably want, uh, a little bit of, you know, normalcy in, in the commute instead of having to listen to, you know, here's how the world sucks today. And here's the terrible things that people did to each other today. And we'll just talk about watches. But, um, what I would recommend, it came up in my, you know, recommended for you list on Netflix several months ago, even though it's not new is Adam Sandler's 100% fresh stand-up comedy special. So it's on Netflix now. Um, and I think it still is, but it is, it is one of the funniest, raunchiest things ever. I mean, but it's, it's all very, again, very lighthearted, um, super funny. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, as part of a routine with my wife and I, you know, waking up early on a Saturday morning, we'll have some coffee in bed and we each kind of are going over our respective news and Usually after about five or 10 minutes, it's like, you know, we'll put on some kind of comedy, either that or, uh, you know, um, have you ever seen Shang Wang? This was not my recommendation, but have you ever seen that guy? He's a, a stand-up comedian. No, no. And comedy writer. Oh my God. Insanely funny. Uh, Sweet and Juicy, I think is the name of that guy's special. He's so, so funny. Shang Wang. So there's two. That's also a twofer. So that's my recommendation. Find something funny. Um, pay attention. Don't don't bury your head in the sand, but don't get too you know wrapped around the axle emotionally because you'll you'll spin out. Do something funny for at least for a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, we gave everybody a buy one get a, a bogo buy one get one on the recommendations this week. That's right. Well, buddy, it's uh, we're coming up on an hour and a half. Do you want to? Uh, wrap this thing have this be our last call let's put a ribbon on this thing sweet dude this will be the last sip cheers to you cheers slancha we hope you enjoyed the episode don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice it really does help you can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at Spirit of Time Podcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>